The 2018 midterms will go down in history for many reasons. One of them will be the record number of women running for office. Some are even calling it the Year of the Woman 2.0. But it's an issue, like so many others this election season, that is very partisan. This is TikTok. I'm Dave Myers. Joining me today is Bloomberg News campaign reporter Arit John. Thanks for joining us, Arit. Thanks for having me. So many are calling this the Year of the Woman 2.0. To understand this moniker, I think we need to understand the original Year of the Woman. What was that? So the original year of the woman was 1992. In 1991, leading up to that election cycle, women made up 6% of Congress. And after the 1992 election, women made up 10% of Congress. And I know that sounds like a small jump, but since then, um, women have never increased their percentage of Congress by more than like 2%. So that was a big, giant leap. And that was fueled by anger over the Anita Hill, Clarence Thomas uh, confirmation hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, Anita Hill testifying about um, the sexual harassment she experienced and an all-male Senate judiciary sort of not really giving her the time of day. And so following that, like women were angry, women were motivated, and we saw 24 new women elected to the House um, and 47 women elected to the House in total. And we saw four women elected to the Senate, including um, California Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein, who is now the ranking member on that same Senate Judiciary Committee. So who, along with Feinstein, was part of that class that is still in power today? Um, Patty Murray um, from Washington is still there. Um, Barbara Boxer uh, retired recently. Um, And then Carol Mosley... Braun was also elected that year. So that brings us to where we are today, because we have these similarities of a harsh Supreme Court confirmation battle, pitting the word of the nominee against his accuser. But this movement that we're seeing today, this was well underway before those hearings started, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that it's not um, Brett Kavanaugh who started this, but it's Donald Trump. Um, The 2016 presidential election cycle, where a lot of people, a lot of women thought that America was going to get our first female president, instead were shocked um, when Donald Trump won. Donald Trump, who has been accused of um, sexual harassment, who right before the election was revealed in the Access Hollywood video to have said, you can basically do whatever you want to women, they just let you. Um, I mean, that was a big, those are two polar Mm -hmm. ends of advancement for women. And I think a lot of women were very angry about that. Um, A lot of people were wondering, what can I do about this? And then we saw the Women's March, but we saw instead of just a protest, that anger sort of transitioned into like, well, maybe I should run for office. Maybe I should vote. And I think when you talk to a lot of these candidates, they don't just say like, oh, I was angry about Donald Trump. And so I decided to run for office. It's more that they felt like the country was going in the wrong direction. And Mm -hmm. a lot of these women are, um, maybe they're uh, veterans or they worked in some sort of national security background and they said that this is not what I fought for and I want to make sure that the country is on the right track again. So we understand the motivation of why so many women are running Donald Trump. But break down the numbers for us. How many women are actually running? There are 237 women who have won primaries and are running um, in the House, um, and there are 23 women running in the Senate. Um, In the House, there were a record number of women who ran for office and a record number of women who won their primaries. And looking at 
where the like what sort of districts the women are running in, whether it's competitive for their party. It does look like there might be a couple dozen new women elected to office this cycle. When it comes to these women that are running, does it favor one particular party over the other? It overwhelmingly favors Democrats. Um, that 237 number of women running in the House, 185 of them are Democrats and 52 are Republicans. And that, on the one hand, that's normal. Um, Democrats have Democrats make up about 61 of the 84 women in the House now. Democrats have continued to sort of um, widen this gender gap between Demo their party and the Republican Party. Um, and also, this is just a really good year for Democrats mm -hmm. in general. A lot of Republicans are retiring and creating open seats, which makes that a little bit easier to flip. Um, Republicans are struggling right now to keep the House, uh, keep control of the House, and that's created an opening for new Democratic candidates to come in, and there just aren't as many competitive seats for Republican women to run in. But then there is the factor of if you're a Republican woman running in this cycle, how do you answer questions about Donald Trump? Mm -hmm. How do you answer um, questions about what what direction the Republican Party is going in right now. And you wrote about um, Representative Kathy McMorris-Rogers from Washington, who's one of those people having to answer those questions. Right. I mean, and she's in an interesting election cycle. She's running against Lisa Brown, who's a Democrat, who actually first ran for office in 1992 um, during the first year of the woman. Um, and Kathy McMorris-Rogers has to sort of walk this fine line of reaching out to Republicans who like Donald Trump and like what he's doing and see her as an ally. But she also has to maintain good relationships with voters who don't like Donald Trump. I talked to one voter in um, southern, the southern part of that district who said that she told her local Republican group that she could not vote for Donald Trump, that some of the things he says are appalling to her, that he d she doesn't like the way that he like, calls people's names and his comments about women and minorities. But she said that she has always voted for Kathy McMorris-Rogers, and she plans to this time because Kathy gets their issues, and she stands by Eastern Washington. So for her, and I think for a lot of um, the Republican women in um, competitive races, um, like Mia Love in Utah, uh, Barbara Comstock in Virginia, they do have to appeal to moderates, but also they need all the Republicans they can get as well. So, Reed, it's not just the women running for office on Election Day that will be a big deal. It's also the women who will be voting on Election Day. Is there a similar gap for the Republican Party when it comes to female voters? Yes. What we've been seeing in um, polling is that women are shifting more towards the Democratic Party and men are shifting toward the Republican Party. But the difference between the Democratic Party and the Republican Party for women is much starker. There have been some polls that show as big as a 30 percentage point gap between women's preference for Democrats versus Republicans. And we're especially seeing that in these suburban districts that are going to be really critical for determining who controls the House. Um, um, independent women, um, Republican women, have been turned off by Trump's comments over the last two years, and they may be willing to send a message to him through by, by voting for a Democrat. How is the GOP trying to overcome this gender gap that you're talking about? I mean, they've been trying to close the gender gap since 1994. Um, I, I talked to John Boehner for the story on Kathy McMorris-Rogers, and he said that he's been working with her on this, but he, like, since 
pretty soon after he got into office, he's been having to deal with this and try to, they've been trying to recruit more women. Um, Cassie McMorris Rogers recruited a lot of Republican women to run in 2010. Um, Representative Elise Stefanik, who is um, represents um, upstate New York, she recruited um, about 120 Republican women to run for office. Obviously, a lot of them didn't make it through their primaries, but they have been trying to recruit more women, um, and especially when they promote people like Cassie McMorris Rogers, who has given birth three times in office and is sort of like that working mom type. Um, they like that helps them, they think, but. It's not clear that that's working with voters, especially when you still have the president making the sort of comments that he makes. The president has called out women who disagree with him. He has called out women that will potentially run against him in 2020. And we all remember what happened in 2016. I imagine all of this fires up the women block of voters, and it seems like a very large and dangerous gamble for the president and the Republican Party. I mean, I guess we'll have to see because on the one hand, like, yes, it is a problem to call Stormy Daniels names. It's a a problem to call Elizabeth Warren um, Pocahontas. But at the same time, at this point, people have sort of made up their minds on what they think about Hmm. the president. So I'm not sure that every additional like inappropriate comment is going to cause more people to flip sides. But if, if these people weren't going to vote in the beginning, that the risk is that they might now be mo- motivated to get out there and vote. Right. I think that the, for this cycle, the problem for Republicans is that the most vulnerable Republicans are in districts, are in these suburban districts where um, a lot of suburban women, a lot of moderates and independents have been turned off by the Republican Party, not just because of Trump's comments on women, but just the entire last two years of the administration. I mean, people either love Trump and what he's doing or they don't. Um, But then they also don't benefit as much from that Trump effect, the people who are diehard Trump supporters who will vote for him no matter what. He's not on the ballot. So if Trump's not on the ballot, the question is, how do you get those diehard Trump supporters while also not losing any more of those suburban voters who you're trying to, like they're trying to distance themselves from the president to reach out to those voters? Arit John, thank you. Thanks for having me. Make sure to follow Arit on Twitter. She's at Arit Benny. That's TikTok for today. Thanks for listening, and please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Dave Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers, and you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.